really having a business pull from the sponsorship is super critical because otherwise you will end up having a nice experience for the employees and also for yourself but you won't make any steps towards a sustainable change or a sustainable transformation of the business Welcome to the Lost and Transformation podcast series dedicated to the complex world of digital transformation. We feature guests from large corporations, startups, consultancies, and more to shed light on the success factors around innovation, transformation, and adjacent topics. We share firsthand insights and inspiration from experts for all the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and anyone curious about digital transformation. Tom Ford is the Director of Digital Transformation and Productivity at Linda, a global industrial gases and engineering company. He guides us through the approaches of the transformation journey of a well-established corporate in an industry with rather slow innovation cycles. Listen to the success and failure stories directly from Henning here. Hi Henning, uh, happy to have you with us on Lost and Transformation today and thank you for taking the time. And you, as the Director of Digital Transformation at Linde, have quite a track record in leading digitalization and innovation. So before we dive into the full story, maybe you can tell us more about Linde itself, um, as some listeners might not know. What does Linde actually do? So uh, first of all, thanks for having me, Christina and Sebastian. Uh, glad to be here, virtually <laughs> at least. So Linde is actually the world's biggest industrial gas and engineering company. and uh, I mean, it's uh, actually the world's biggest company with respect to, uh, to industrial gases and engineering, but it may not be known to a lot of people. Um, maybe just a few words on the history, because I always found this quite intriguing and interesting. So actually, the birth date of Linde was 1879, but even six years before Karl von Linde, so a German engineer and a professor back then at the University of uh, Munich, so the Technical University of Munich, replied to a request from uh, Spaten Brauerei, so Spaten Brewery. So from the Munich people, that will be a very a renowned brand uh, for beer. And they were looking for a refrigeration machine, something that would help them to, you know, during the brewing process, but also to keep the beer cool. Right. And uh, so Karl von Linde back then replied to this uh, request and engineered the first refrigeration machine. And uh, this actually, and this was in, in 1873. And this you could describe as the birth date of the whole industrial gases uh, industry, because from there then, a couple of years later, the first air liquefaction um, plant Or, or machine was designed and with air liquefaction, what you do, you take the air and break it down into its individual parts, right? So oxygen, nitrogen, argon, etc. And with this, that was essentially uh, the birth date of this industry and is now a truly global business. So today, Linde is a company with uh, 80,000 people uh, operating in more than 100 countries. And what we do, essentially, we build and engineer plants that produce gases or process gases and we operate those plants and uh, distribute and supply customers uh, from all different industries and backgrounds with gases so so this ranges from medical products right so i mean obviously in these times something very very relevant so supplying oxygen 
or uh, various mixtures of gases to uh, hospitals around the globe, right? And, uh, and but other processes or other industry are the food industry, gastronomy, of course, the metal industry, car industry. So wherever you see manufacturing. And so it's a very, very broad range of customers and products we have throughout the globe. Interesting. And because you're saying like your customers, you have a very broad customer base at Linde. How do you exactly work together with them? Like how do things work there? Mm -hmm. So that differs obviously a lot according to which customer we are, we are talking about. So for hospitals, I mean, we are talking of medical gases. So there are very uh, specific needs and requirements, obviously even by law, with respect to the products that we are delivering for them. And here we small, sometimes speak about smaller sizes even because some of our products we also deliver to patients that actually live at home, right, when we talk about uh, medical gases. So we um, provide the oxygen uh, therapy to their homes. So very small packages, very small devices. And in other cases, we actually operate production plants of gases on site at the customer site. So there we have, you can imagine, we have huge plants there with huge pipelines and the gas, uh, gas directly goes into the process of the customer. So that really depends on the respective uh, customer group, how we deal with them. Some it's like a real heavy B2B relationship and other, and obviously most of our customers and, and products are B2B, but in some cases, it's also a, a B, B2C a relationship we're having there. So not a question, not easy to answer. Let's put it like this. And in your role, so basically looking at digital transformation at Linde, what was the reason to look more deeply into digital transformation? Like why was there the catalyst for change? So this whole effort started some years ago. So like a lot of bigger companies, some four years ago, um, we established a digital unit at, uh, at Linde. And of course, there were a lot of digital processes before at Linde. But back then, um, there was a perspective that there's much more opportunity in our business along the supply chain with respect to uh, digitalization, digital technologies and uh, digital business models. And so essentially four years ago, this was kicked off with a, a digital unit. So centrally, back then it was called the digital accelerator. And pretty quickly, we saw a very good results from this, right? So we collaborated jointly with the business, tackled challenges that they brought to the table and added people with respective backgrounds, digital backgrounds, but also domain expertise, so people coming from the business. So it wasn't like a group of people only hired externally, but it was a good mix of people from external and internal. And jointly with the business, we pretty quickly came up with a lot of good use cases where digitalization can really help to, to further improve our business, improve our productivity, improve our margins. Right, But after a certain point in time, um, we came to the point where it said, It is obviously very valuable to have uh, these central resources, but looking at all the opportunities that are out there in our company, um, there's more. And how do we tackle this? And having central units, central, um, let's say, uh, strongholds for digitalization is a good approach, but it, in the end, it doesn't scale, especially not if you would like to tackle a lot of the, the smaller opportunities you have around the globe and around the company. So, and therefore, we said we need to start something that we called back then and still calling uh, digital transformation, we say, and we define it in such a way that 
the digital transformation is about enabling the business to start thinking digitally or start operating in a, in a digital manner. And obviously, this requires a broad set of skills and capabilities, but also has something to do with mindset. And this is exactly where we started. So we started to build formats. We started to build or vehicles, I call it sometimes, vehicles that we use that where we jointly with the business um, try to build up capabilities within the business when it comes to digitalization because our approach is not a, like we say, you need to come back to us every year or every other other year. No, we would like to find approaches where we jointly with you engage on a digital transformation journey. And after this journey, several people of your business units are, so to speak, digitally enabled and they can start to run on their own and can start uh, tackling all the challenges, all the opportunities that they see with respect to digitalization to start tackling these on their own. So, and uh, this is how we started. And in the beginning, obviously, with a lot of trial and error, right? Because you get a, a lot of uh, good advice when it comes to digital transformation. And there are a lot of companies out there, um, big corporations, other peers, obviously, of us, but also, obviously, a lot of consultancies. And, but we found out for ourselves very quickly that there is no silver bullet. So there is no passepartout saying, okay, so what worked for company A definitely will work for us as well. So we pretty quickly came to the point where we say we need to find our own approach, taking best practices, obviously, from here and there, what we see, but also need to um, develop elements that uh, reflect our company, that reflect our business model, reflect our culture, essentially. Yeah, yeah, super important. And can you give us some examples of what were your first approaches to solving that problem? Mm -hmm. So one of the formats or, or vehicles that we piloted pretty quickly back then was something that we call three months digital transformation program. And what we did in a very first step back then, we reached out to four business units across the globe, because already back then we were aware that due to the fact that we are operating in more than 100 countries, that obviously there's also quite a cultural difference within the company. I mean, there's a company, uh, corporate culture, but you cannot neglect the fact that uh, we are operating in, in different countries and you bring those cultures of these respective countries also into your company. So it, the one doesn't go without the other. So back then we said, it doesn't make sense to, for example, just start a pilot in, in, in Germany or in the US. We need to do something that uh, already tells us pretty early on whether this is an approach that would work on a global scale. So what we did then is, as I said before, we reached out to essentially four business units and tried to see how eager they are to engage with us on such a journey. We were very transparent saying, um, this is a pilot, this is a trial, right? So we don't guarantee you anything, but this is essentially our plan. And we pretty quickly found various business units that wanted to engage with us. And uh, so we started off with a first pilot in Germany, another one that was pretty international. So in Linde Engineering, which is uh, our engineering branch and pretty international anyhow. And then another one in Linde Uh, gas Singapore and another one in Lindegas Turkey, right? So we had quite a good mix of, I'd say, cultures there. 
And all of these four business units, we took on a three-month digital transformation program. And here we tried different things in the pilot phase. So we said, so, okay, now who should lead those programs in terms of coaching and trainers? And uh, we call it the flight control team, right? And there we tried different things between external consultants, more internal driven approaches, or in an external faculties, right? So we tried, so this was one dimension where we varied a bit the approach. Then we varied the approach also with respect. So what is the focus area uh, during these three months? Is it about uh, demystifying technologies, digital technologies, and uh, taking the people, helping them to take first steps in digital technologies? Or is it about the methodologies and frameworks and mindset that you should apply when you engage in digital business models or digital products, right? Because those differ quite a bit, at least in our company, company to a lot of the approaches and methodologies that we take back then. Or, and then there was also another element we say, so how many people do we need to take on these three months transformation programs? Because as said before, what we would like to do is we would like to make this sustainable. We would like to make this stick in the business, right? And therefore we played a bit or not played, but we varied the penetration rate. And what I mean with this is, so how many people of this respective business units are actually part of this three months program? Because the idea was, if we reach a certain number, then it is likely that a sustainable change will happen in the business once the people are back, right? Because there's a critical number of people that went through this that went through this program. So we had different parameters that we essentially used to really try in this very early pilot phase back then to say, what is the best approach for Linda? And this pretty quickly, so after, so we started those four almost at the same time, a bit of lag, but after essentially four or five months, all four pilots were done and we had very good insights on this approach. And from this, we, we created a blueprint that uh, taking the best parts of all those four pilots and said and started to roll this out for, further, always with a pull principle. So what I mean with this is we don't engage with a business if there's no pull from the business side. So we obviously present what our approach and what we have and what we are offering and then obviously only engage if there is a clear and obvious business pull coming and saying, yes, I truly believe that this will help me to achieve and reach my KPIs. So if this is not the case, we don't engage uh, because obviously there's this doesn't seem to be a need at this point in time in the respective uh, business unit. And this was, I say, the, the first baby steps of our uh, digital transformation program. In the meanwhile, this format is still... I'd say one of our motherships of, of digital transformation. And we have until now done more than 25 of those programs globally. And we have several more in the pipeline. And obviously we continuously iterated and improved this approach, right? And in the meanwhile, we are also pretty confident that we can answer with this program different needs of the business. So if a business is more focusing on I really would like to have products from this program. I really would like to have good proof of concepts from this program. We know which strings to pull that this is going to happen, right? And if other business units say, for me, that's more a cultural vehicle. For me, that's more about upskilling the people. We also know how to, how, uh, which strings to pull to make this happen. So now it's quite a modular approach. 
end, but we gained enough experience, I think, to to have a good answer for the business, uh, depending on where they stand and what their needs are. But this is the mothership, and this is how it started. In the meanwhile, we developed various other formats as well, but this is how it started. Yeah, yeah. That's quite a couple of programs that you ran already, and I think you've learned a lot along the way. Mm -hmm. What would you say was your biggest learning so far, or like, was there anything that surprised you that you didn't know, that you didn't expect before? Well, some of these points I mentioned now may seem like a no-brainer, but it's uh, definitely this, there is no passepartout, right? Not even within the company. So therefore, we really moved on to a kind of modular approach that helps us to actually build the program a bit according to the needs of the respective business. So there is no passepartout, I think, if you look across companies, but may not even be a passport to if you look intra-companies or within the company, especially if it's a company like Linda, which is pretty decentralized, right? So it's a very decentralized business with decentralized operations. Obviously, some elements are uh, centralized where it makes sense. But other than this, it's a very decentralized business and business model. So this was certainly one point, right? So there is no uh, passport to for this. Then another point, I briefly mentioned it before, Really having a business pull from the sponsorship is super critical because otherwise you will end up having a nice experience for the employees and also for yourself, but you won't make any steps towards a sustainable change or a sustainable transformation of the business. And one element that we used, especially in the beginning of the program is Obviously, there are some costs related to this program, right? We, so we don't charge internally uh, our hours, uh, not directly at least, but obviously there are costs related uh, to the program, especially if it's a physical, if various elements of the program are physical meetings and workshops, interactions. And, and I'll come back to this element in a bit. So one element which we use quite early on, we said to the business, well, this is the program we're going to guide you through the program. And these are the elements, but there are some, it comes at a certain cost and you need to carry that cost, right? Because then we are pretty sure that there's real appetite from you when it comes to embarking on this digital transformation program. If it's a free lunch, obviously it's easy to embark on it or it's easy to, to have it. And, but you still won't know how big the appetite, how big the pull really is. So, but if a business unit had, has to decide, well, here, here is a budget. I allocated several months ago for something and now I need to reallocate it for this program, then he or she has to make a very conscious decision, right? But this tells us a lot about whether there is a real business pull or if it's more, yeah, it's a nice to have activity. And as I pointed out before, we're really focusing on the business unit where we, real, where we see this appetite, where we see this pull because otherwise... I think it would be too harsh if I say it's a waste of time, but it's not as efficient or effective as it can be for both sides. Let's put it like this. And I would mention probably another one, something that we also found out very early and refined on this in the past couple of years is if you're approaching a business, you need to work Even if it's about enabling the business and more on the coaching side and training side of things, you need to work on real business challenges. And ideally, you need to work on business challenges that they bring to the table, right? So it is good for some elements 
some pieces of modules of training, you can obviously come in and say and take artificial challenges, right? It's just okay for basic intro or basic training, but you pretty quickly should turn to your real business challenges and uh, the business challenges ideally should be defined by the participating employees, right? And this is something also we do quite heavily. So whatever um, formats we build, whatever transformation formats or vehicles we use, we always center this around real business challenges. And uh, a lot of this is what we call them coach doing, right? So, and the actually the coaching and enabling part happens while we are tackling real business challenges. So this is something we found super important. Also, with respect to answering questions, especially like in, in times like these where, where a lot of companies are under cost pressure to answer questions like, so what does this program deliver? So what is the outcome of the program? And yes, it's, it's obviously a strong answer to say, see, we enabled this and that many people. But if you say we enabled this and that many people, and at the same time, we say, and these were all the products that we helped to bring to life essentially jointly with the business through our vehicles. And this is the impact that they are generating. The answer is obviously much stronger, right? So you have both elements of uh, enabling, but also of uh, products and services that are delivering impact and helping the businesses to achieve their KPIs. Yeah. And can you already see some of the successes or impacts that directly come from the program already? Mm -hmm. So in the meanwhile, we have quite a big community of several hundred people that were trained in those programs, right? And we actively or make sure that this community stays alive. So we having, you know, monthly sessions and meetups and calls to keep that uh, community spirit of those that essentially embarked on, on our journey or were part of our program. And at the same time, talking about the products and services, we have several products and services that are already fully implemented coming from these programs and that are really delivering impact as we speak, right? And several more in, in, in the pipeline. So it's not just theory, but it took us a while, to be honest, right? It took us a while also to identify what does it take after such a three-month program. So what are the critical items? Who needs to be part of these programs in order to increase the likelihood that uh, that projects are taken forward, right? So we learned quite a bit, and I think, but our success rate improved quite a bit over the course of the last two and a half years. But we had to learn quite a bit also on this side. Yeah. And do you have anything planned next for that? Is there anything coming up that you can tell us about? So I talked about this three months program as a mothership, and this continues to uh, evolve. We still have, we have continued, our pipeline is continuously, uh, or our backlog, so to speak, is continuously filling up. So that continues and grows. But then we established uh, other formats in the meanwhile, right? So, so basic intro sessions, so really like 90 minutes intro sessions, small curriculums that help people maybe to take the first baby steps uh, when we talk about digitalization or methodologies, right? Like Scrum, Agile, Design Thinking, Creative Problem Solving, so all these frameworks and methodologies that are just helpful to know and being able to apply them when we talk about digital business models and products. But also we started to implement a reverse mentoring program, right? Where we essentially take people that are really digitally savvy or some of our alumni and pair them up with 
more senior people in the company to also help them on a more bilateral relationship to bring up their or increase their digital capability levels, right? In a very trustworthy environment because it's a one-to-one environment. Then we evolved leadership formats or developed leadership formats over the course of the last two and a half years because also something that we learned where we say, yes, it's good to do these three months programs, but if the leadership or the respective line managers of those participants are not aware of what the people are doing and what they are learning, then the likelihood of them applying it once the program is over is much lower because their line managers are not involved, right? So also something that we seems like a no-brainer, but we, we didn't do this right at the beginning. So it's something that we are doing now as well. And also we, you know, there are elements like internal hackathons that we are facilitating with the approaches that we are taking or that we learned over the course of the last years. So we have quite a, a broad product and we call it actually product and service offering from digital transformation for the business. And it's like a, you, can, you can see it like a pick and choose menu for the business because they are on different maturity levels depending on their needs. They may say, well, this is something that is relevant for me or this is something that is relevant for me. And then there's something uh, that we started to tackle now, which is centered much more on building up um, data capabilities and increasing the data literacy of, of the employees. So because also this is something that we uh, found out in the last a couple of months or years and maybe accelerated also due to the current situation that understanding data and being able to process data and work with data has increased rapidly, right? I mean, it was there before and we have a lot of data savvy people in the business because we have a very data heavy business model. Let's call it like this. And we generate our company generates gigabytes and gigabytes of new data, operational data from our assets every day. But really leveraging this data and turning data into value is, I think, a new angle that we touched before, but I think which deserves much more attention. And uh, so some of our efforts forward-looking will much more go also in this direction. I will say, so what are clever and good vehicles formats to increase data literacy, being mindful of the different levels you have in a company and the different needs and the different personas you have in a company. But we see a lot of opportunities there and uh, also a lot of opportunities with respect to our further improving our business model and our efficiencies and productivity. That's super interesting offerings or like products that you have there. Yeah, in regards to the current situation where... In the past, most of the programs were very much face-to-face. How mm-hmm. did you actually adapt your approach? And, and what are maybe also some recommendations that you would say in terms of remote interactions, what works really well? Mm-hmm. Good question. So to, to be honest, at the beginning of this pandemic on the whole working from home uh, situation, we were a bit under stress because... Until then, we very much convinced that, for example, talking about the three months program, that it needs a face-to-face element. It definitely needs this face-to-face element. Otherwise, you wouldn't achieve some of the, the targets or the ambition of the program, right? But obviously, being, being there with no other choice, we said, well, I mean, stopping it is not an option, right? And because there was ongoing pull from the business, 
So we pretty much in a, in a sprint approach took the current agenda of the three months program and turned it in a fully virtual format, right? So with some parts of these programs that wasn't that hard because they were especially in between virtually anyway. So sprint reviews, etc. We did those also in the past uh, virtually because, I mean, um, we don't travel, you know, thousands and thousands of miles for a sprint review and no need for this. But there were some elements like the uh, kickoff bootcamp, right, Sebastian, and you also were part of one of those as a speaker. Um, we said, well, this one will be difficult to turn into a virtual format. But, I mean, we tried it. And I must say it works. So we had to change the format, of course. Usually this was a two to three day, uh, just the kickoff bootcamp, a two to three day physical workshop. And we turned it around and, you know, sliced it into smaller pieces, maximum three and a half hours a day, homework in between, uh, a lot of interactive parts during the virtual meetings, right? Obviously, pretty quickly learned what possibilities and platforms are out there to collaborate virtually. Before then, there was not so much, not such a strong need for this. There were super powerful tools out there, right, which allow you to jointly collaboratively work on, on whiteboards. There's super good tools out there. Then uh, very good collaboration tools. Luckily, I must say, from an IT perspective, when the pandemic started in a very, I'd say, lucky situation that we had a very solid network and very solid collaboration platforms, which allowed us to essentially seamlessly continue our operations then. So in the meanwhile, we turned pretty much all of our offerings into virtual offerings, and uh, we piloted several of those with very good results. So that is possible. I think in the long run, the most powerful approach will still be to some extent to have some elements physical or so, but there was certainly a massive shift to moving things to, to a virtual environment. And it was really astonishing to see how far you can take it and how involved also and engaged the employees are or were and still are. So we moved it to virtual. A lot of our offerings, essentially all of them, it works, but it, you cannot take just one-to-one -one what you had in a physical format and convert it to, to a virtual one. You really need to dig into the details and, and slice it down and say, okay, how can we do it that this works in a virtual format? How can we approach this? But if you do it, we made very good experiences with this and very happy about the outcome so far. Yeah, that's a super interesting view into the overall transformation journey and like in more detail about the program. Henning, thank you so much for taking us along the journey and um, really interesting. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost in Transformation with our host Sebastian from Ming Labs. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time for another episode of our podcast. Thank you.